Welcome everyone. I'm Kevin Miller and this is The Ziggler Show, inspired by the grandfather of inspiration himself, Zig Ziggler. Our focus here is you and your personal development. The way to have more tomorrow is to become more today. So we bring you the best of today's world influencers and messages and discover how we can all apply new and classic methodologies of personal growth to our lives. In this episode, what do you do to keep your mental edge sharp? Well, this is the answer from Phil M. Jones, our guest in show 723. He says, in my permanent quest for better, I follow every major activity I do with what I call the four R's. My process is pretty structured. Reflect, review, refine, and reschedule. First, I reflect. Then I review. What did I like best? Then I refine. Next time, what would I do different? And last, I reschedule. When will I utilize what I learned? That is just a structure worth adopting. It's so solid. Uh, I also appreciated from this show, our habits show, uh, a primary ingredient for Phil's mental wellness is great music appropriate to the mood he wants to foster. Hey, that's key on my personal list. So I appreciated that one. He bookends his days with no devices, which is something we discussed in my new true life show podcast in episode six. Regarding financial, the financial spoke of his life, Phil says he knows what a day of his time is worth, even down to a wholesale cost that any activity must equate to. And this is interesting. In his career spoke right now, his most challenging issue is he's already outperformed any expectations he had for himself. That's surely not the norm. Well, those and more interesting and inspiring habits from Phil M. Jones are in this episode. And you can look for Phil's books at Amazon or wherever you get books, exactly what to say, exactly how to sell, and exactly where to start or top three. Or you can just type in Phil Jones exactly and you'll find it all. Well, Phil's coming up next then right after I share some valuable products and services with you. All right, Phil. So we're going to walk through these seven spokes on the Ziggler Wheel of Life. We hit a, on a few of these things in our main talk together. Uh, but we'll just run through them. I'm eager to hear about your own healthy habits in these areas. So number one, we start off physical and nutrition. What are the habits that you're consistently putting in place there? Okay, great, great kind of place to start. And I think the, the, the word for me to focus on there is consistently. What I'm doing consistently in the area of physical is, is, is close to nothing. Um, <laughs> All right. In terms That's of from the get-go. I, I've had a... Uh, a a lifelong struggle with saying, how do I keep in peak physical performance? And with the changing um, of travel and time zones and dinners with clients and arriving late, and no consistency of, of kind of workout regime is, is to, uh, to achieve the, the level that I have as time, my, my own expectation of health is, and physical is, is hard. I have some, some minimum habits is, you know, I, I, I take the stairs. I don't take the escalators. Yeah. I'll, I'll make all of the little decisions of saying, you know, how do I get more steps in on a day? And what do I do to be able to, um, to be able to make the change? But I, interestingly, I'm, I'm at, I'm three days into a brand new 12 week journey right now. So I've taken the decision to say that this spoke or area of the wheel of my life needs to jump up. And it's important is, I was probably peak of physical health maybe two and a half years ago. Hmm. And today I'm a long way back from that. We've just had new baby girl twins. Hmm. I've had uh, kind of a working regime that has been, has been pretty challenging. So we've had to drop back on that. And now I've um, created 
really three levels of success, which has been, been the funnest thing with me. I've partnered up with a coach in this area who can work with me around my travel schedule. And um, we now have a, you know, a minimum performance daily, like seven minute workout that is now going to happen every single day. Um, I've made decisions to now cut out some of the things that used to be my joy, like a little cheeky drink here and there mm-hmm. is now, uh, is now off the agenda. Um, and I'm going to walk a minimum of 10,000 steps a day. And I'm going to be, um, looking to be able to make sure that what I do is, is develop some new habits into the area of physical. So I'm excited to see where I might be 12, 16, 18 weeks on from now and can probably talk to that point slightly better. All right. Beauty. Next one, family and friends. Uh, you just talked about having kiddos and twins. That's, uh, a glorious thing, but throws a wrench in, in a lot of, uh, a lot of things, but the habits that you're employing for family, friends, relationships at large to keep those. Yeah. And, and, you know, everything is a struggle when you live a busy life. Yeah. And probably one of the, one of the best habits that I've, that I've picked up on and, and has been a, a relatively new habit over the last sort of 12, 18 months is, is the power of the text message. Text message and FaceTime have become my, my most prolific friends um, when it comes to staying into contact with the people that matter. And I've decided to really use those communication platforms um, almost exclusively with the purpose of saying, well, actually, if, if we have a text relationship, then we are friends. Yeah. The ability to be able to have text groups mm-hmm. um, within specific predetermined circles have, have become a great way for me to be able to then expand like-minded friend groups. Because when you, you know, I fly 150 times a year mm. and you can be in a lot of different cities to create a habit like, hey, we go to the ball game on a Saturday, those things don't happen. To be like, I always play cards with my dad on a Tuesday, unlikely to happen when he lives 4,000 miles away. So um, I, I try and, and work those, those habitual things to say, how do I create a simple minimum effective dose thing that, that keeps me connected? And um, we even have like little micro things that we celebrate within those groups that become a, you know, a, a permanent thing, or there's a theme of something that we always share when we see it that, that create the I'm thinking of you um, type setups through yeah. those different groups. So I, th- I think those are the, the, the habits that work for me. And, and adding into that is when I'm traveling to a new city and um, I know that I'm going to have, you know, time for a dinner and those kind of things, I'll often proactively now work ahead of time to say, who do I know that lives in that city? Yeah. Who can I reach out to ahead of time? Who can I share a dinner with? And who can I share moments with that way around? So I get that face-to-face time with friends and family members that matter most uh, is, is through that trying to be intelligent with my scheduling. And, and you know, I'm, I, I fly to DC later on today and, and have an event there tomorrow. But tomorrow night, I'm having dinner with one of my dear friends and his wife who lives in that area that I haven't seen in 10 months. I'm super looking forward to that. So those kind of, kind of decisions ahead of time and planning to be able to make those moments count is, is a key thing. Goodness. Mental is the next one. The things that you're employing for that mental edge, your mental capabilities, peace of mind, okay. all that good stuff. Um, I, I talk in our primary interview about this permanent quest for better. Yep. I have a, a process that I use strategically to, to, to keep me sharp on the back of everything. And following every major activity I do, whether it's a, a book launch, a new speech, or a writing of an article, or a piece of consulting with a client, my, my review process is, is pretty structured. I call it you know, the four R's. And the first thing I like to do is to reflect. 
and this is go take a period of time. And this can be one of a number of different ways. This could be, you know, 20 minutes on a treadmill. It could be going for a walk around the lake. It could be sitting by myself at a, you know, quiet corner by the fire in a hotel, but just some period of time to ensure all devices are out the way, etc. Let me just sit in the moment for as much as I possibly can. Um, what I then look to be able to do is, is to review, refine and reschedule. And my review is that I write a list of what I call my LBs. And LBs are, they stand for like best. What did I like best about how that went? And this gives me the ability to try and cement in the stuff that worked well. It allows me to protect my ego. It allows me to protect my mental state. Instead of just jumping to the mistakes or things that could be improved upon, um, I, I can cement in you know, areas of successes and try and catalog the wins first. What this also does, it gives me the ability to say, how do I build on those wins for next time? And certainly don't forget to do the things that I enjoyed or found successful in that very moment. That's the, the, the review part. The third R is to refine. Yeah. And refine is a list of what I call my NTs. NT stands for next time. Hmm. So this isn't what would I do right and what would I do wrong. It's what did I like best and what would I do next time? And if I allow myself the ability to focus on what I do next time, then it makes any form of improvement I'm looking for fun. If I make it, what did I do wrong? My mind jumps to the mistake and how do I look to be able to change a moment that I have no control over changing because it's already happened. Yeah. Next time says, well, I'm going to try this again. There is going to be future improvement. And guess what? Better is in my future. That keeps us excited about what's to come. And then um, the fourth R is to reschedule is to physically look to say, well, where am I going to come around to being able to utilize what I learned from this experience again? So that is something that I, that I do a lot for, for, for my mental state um, and, and try and work that, that through. I also listen to music. Hmm. Like that, that's, that's one simple thing that I can do to allow myself to be able to escape out of the world that I'm living in in that moment and show up somewhere new almost instantaneously. Mm -hmm. and, and in as busy a world as I live in, one thing I've become very consciously aware of is, is the effect that noise pollution has on my life. Mm -hmm. Whether that's you know a busy crowd at an airport environment, whether that's being at a big busy event, whether that's living in New York City, et cetera. Like this, this noise is, is very, very real in my world. So sticking on a set, of, a set of headphones, escaping into a piece of beautiful music is, is a great way for me to almost consciously meditate whilst moving. Yeah. Um, so, so that's something that I, that, that I work on for my, for my mental state a lot. And I do find that the exercise and mental health are, are two things that are very closely linked. So my ability to get a workout in or move my body in some way um, has a strong impact on me functioning well up here. Um, and another biggie that I, that I, I, I attempt to work on as a habit, probably make work four out of seven, five out of seven days is that I don't finish a day until it's finished on paper. And then a new habit that I'm looking to work on for my mental state is to make my back end and my start end of a day device free. So you know, I, I don't want to go to bed looking at my phone. I don't want a habit to be in the morning that the first thing I do is to be able to look at my phone because what I'm then doing is I'm letting something else drive my day as opposed to let's at least try and start the day with when I'm home, you know, kissing my wife and, 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 and helping with the babies versus, you know, looking at my phone and seeing, oh, dang, there's somebody in another time zone that needs something of me. Um, and if I'm away in a hotel, I might use that first 10, 15 minutes just to get up, stretch, 
take a shower, look out the window, enjoy the view, touch my toes. Yeah. You know, those kind of things are a real simple habits, but make a big difference in a busy life. Uh, music is one of my almost, cons- unless I'm deep writing, sometimes I'll do it in silence, but music is a primary mood influencer. So I got to ask what, what are a couple mainstay go-to music um, genres? It, it depends what type of type of mood I'm in yeah. is, um, I'm a big fan of, of, of Ed Sheeran's music just because of the story behind it. And, and I see a lot of myself in him in terms of the entrepreneurial story. So I find that kind of inspiring, even if it's not in the music, there's just something in his work that, that really talks to me. I also like to escape into uh, various forms of like piano type music. So Ludvico and Audi, et cetera, is somebody who can send me off into kind of a trance-like state. I like stepping back into into things that are artistically creative, like like you know the Rolling Stones and those kind of things. I might jump to you know, my wife and I were talking about this yesterday. Is listening to Lana Del Rey because it takes me back to when we were living in Los Angeles and and driving around and traveling there, etc. You know, it has has memories back towards a key point in my life. So I'm I'm pretty pretty eclectic um, in, into where I might jump to, but normally it's either associated towards somewhere I want to escape to something I want to inspire to or reminding me of a memory in life that is perhaps the environment where I would most like to be able to choose to be at that moment. How do you like Ed's new album? Yeah, I like it. I I like it a lot. I think one of the things I like best about it is not necessarily a new album. If you look at the recording dates of the majority of the tracks. Compilation then. Yeah. Yeah. and, 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 And there's brilliance in that. Yeah. And there's also a giant lesson in so much of his work that I think entrepreneurs should focus on more is that, that if you look at his propulsion of, of, of success and you're looking to be able to dig into it and back to a point in, a, in the interview that it was, I don't say, wow, I say how, uh-huh. is, is the how in that story, if you're looking for the biggest lesson, is collaboration. You know, collaboration is the largest amplifier to that individual's success. His ability to be able to create high-profile joint venture pieces, whether it is with an opera singer, whether it is with Taylor Swift, whether it is with Eminem and another rapper, we're like, like what he can be is, is he can be liked by every genre of music and every age group of individual. And he's done that by proactively looking to collaborate with superstars in areas that he has no right to show up. I mean, you're totally right. It's interesting too, because our first, when we first got into him, it was the, the videos of him looping everything, doing everything solo, it, you know, only him, yeah. which was interesting, but you're right, man. The collaboration has been profound. Okay. Well, we would enjoy listening to music together. We're on the same way, but number, number four spoke is financial. Uh, so okay. same, same thing. What are you employing there to keep yourself where you want to be? Yeah. And, you know, I'll talk towards a key point here is that, you know, I, I fell foul to, to um, some financial mistakes earlier on in my life is, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010, I was this close to bankrupt. And in fact, probably the correct financial decision for me to go down at that time would have probably been to declare bankruptcy. It's just my, my morals were very different. Um, and, and since that point in time, I've, I've become, you know, very financially diligent. I don't borrow money. Um, and I spend and live within my means. So I have a lot of financial habits that, that form towards my, my cash flow forecasting. I'm very, very diligent with understanding what's coming in, what's coming out, um, and how I can control that. I'm also really, really good at if there's something we want in our life that is currently without our realms of affordability, I jump to the 
how do I make this work on paper? How do I make it affordable? Mm -hmm. Which I think is a different financial thought process where the many is like, who can I speak to and where can I borrow the money from? My thought process is always, how can I make the money in order to be able to achieve that? And then where maybe I just move the deadline on when we might want to have this thing, but I, but I live within the realms of affordability. Um, and that, that's a very strong financial habit of mine is I don't want to spend more than I can afford at any given point in time. And it's, a, it's, it's allowing me to consider um, some, some big differences. And, and financial freedom is, is a really important question that I continue to look to be able to find the answer for. And sustainability is key. And I, I put a lot of effort into um, building residuals. So I own the majority of my IP. I will actively look to be able to say, how do I secure something that maybe pays me 500 bucks a month for the, you know, for the next 20 years versus how do I find something that pays me 25 grand tomorrow? Um, and actively making commercial decisions now with a 20, 30, 40 year viewpoint, as opposed to a, um, you know, a five minute viewpoint and have some, you know, some strong beliefs and habits around, around money that way. I also have a habit that, that says I want to get paid every day. Hmm. You know, like every day I want to get paid. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm forever, you know, forever looking at that. I have another good, strong financial habit that is, I know what a day of my time is worth. Hmm. So, um, is I have a wholesale price for a day of my time. Now that means that if somebody can't pay my wholesale price or I can't produce an activity that at least covers the wholesale price for a day of my time, then I shouldn't be doing it. It's a wholesale price for your time and knowing what your day is worth. That's when in the self-employed world, and especially you where you're going gig to gig, speaking engagement to speaking engagement, that's not the norm. Neither is residual income. Um, those, those are staunch. You are listening to The Ziggler Show, and this is our habit show with Phil M. Jones. Again, I really appreciate both of those perspectives on finances from Phil to get paid every day and even more so to know what a day of your time is worth, even with a minimal wholesale price. I find few people really calculate this, especially entrepreneurs, and it's just so valuable to know. Well, the next book we hit with Phil is spiritual, and he shares that he tests his decisions against his moral code, which is really intriguing. So we'll be right back with Phil after I share some valuable products and services with you. Number five, spiritual. Uh, okay. Tell us about the spiritual spoke. Yeah, and, and you know, this is a, a tougher one for me to answer in the, um, you know, I'm, I'm not overly religious in any way, shape, or form. I'm, I'm also not an atheist. Um, I lean very heavily on a lot of the principles that are actually shared by many a religion that way around. And, and, and I guess the closest I get to being able to create habits towards any spiritual point of view is is to test decisions back against that moral code that I've, that I've acquired through having some awareness to a number of religions. Um, and, and also the time that I spend in a yoga class mm -hmm. and, and you know, just, just understanding or at least giving credit towards the fact that there is an energy out in this world that could be greater than, than, than what exists just inside of me and perhaps inviting some of that energy to, to pour into my life in a way and give me some good fortune. 
It's interesting you say testing your decisions against a moral code and back on finances. You talked about being bankrupt, and there was a point where it would have uh, culturally at least made the most sense. I saw my father go through the uh, same thing, and it, that's what everybody told him. It was a it was a gigantic, uh, uh, gigantic, you know, tragic issue with some business stuff, and yet he didn't come in from his background, his own morals. Uh, and it took so long to get out of that, but it was, again, to his moral code, as you said. Right. Uh, six, career. And uh, as most everyone who joins me on the show here, you have a, a career that's had lots of ups and downs and variety. And now today, lots of opportunity. So what do you do to keep that on the path you want it? Um, it's Habitually, this is this is a challenge. You know what I the hardest thing in my world right now is in most areas of my career, I've already outperformed any expectation I ever had for myself. Hmm. And that, that makes it a real struggle. Like if the where next is more of the same, that doesn't light a fire in me the same way that it did first time round. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so actually if I'm looking at, at career right now, is I'm, I'm consciously doing doing two things with it. One is it's habitually cutting out the middle part. So the busy part of my business, mm. I'm, I'm consciously looking to say, how do I remove and trim the fat from there? I'm also habitually looking at saying, what's the stuff that only I can do? Mm. I'm also looking at and say, not only what is the stuff that only I can do, what is the stuff that I'm good at and makes my heart sing? How do I get to be able to do more of that and less of the other stuff? I'm also very actively working towards a point in my time in my life where I, I'm looking to be able to actually put career right down at the bottom of the pile. Hmm. I, I think, and, and this is me making a projection of personal opinion in this interview right now. I think, you know, particularly in the United States of America, we attach so much value to what somebody's career is. I mean, even down to the fact that one of the most common opening questions is, so what do you do? do. Um, it sits a little off balance with, with, with me on a personal level. And, you know, when, when you run down a track for a period of time and that you've reached almost, you know, the top of that pinnacle, it gives you a vantage point and a viewpoint that says, well, hold on, you see this pot of gold I was chasing it is maybe it isn't everything that I, that I wanted it to be able to be. So I'm currently 38 years of age or just approaching 38 years of age. My habits currently are designing themselves around the fact that by my 40th birthday, I'm working to be able to take a sabbatical. Mm -hmm. And that is the gift I want to be able to give to myself where, um, you know, my parents, my wife's parents are still young enough for us to have a boatload of fun. Uh, my older kids are, are not too crazy old that they don't want to hang out with dad anymore. And my new babies are preschool. So what we can do is that we can create some fun for a couple yeah. of years. And that I want to give myself the permission to say, can I take an 18, 24, 36 month period of time in my mid career that then says, can I take this giant reflection point that then says, well, actually what is the next reinvention that is being done through purpose as opposed to circumstances? I love your depiction of that. You know, I live right now. I'm looking out at Pikes Peak and we live at the, at the, not the top of Pikes Peak, but the top of the Rocky Mountains. Everything is, is down from here and it's beautiful. It's gorgeous, but all the fun is on the way up. Uh, it really right. is. And so when you talk about that, I, that's interesting that 
The hardest thing right now is you've outperformed, outperformed any expectation you've had for yourself. Interesting place to be, not a common one. Um, mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that. Last spoke is personal. And as everybody knows who's listening, I usually talk about this in regards to fun and play, but in a, in an interview not long ago, I used the word also as self-care and it kind of took it a different direction. So the things that you do, you know, for you. I'm not very good at this. Um, one of the big factors that probably has influenced a giant part of any of my commercial success is that I have a giant servant heart and um, consistently look to put others before me in, in almost every area of life. So, so carving time out for me and, and the self-care piece is something that I haven't prioritized anywhere near enough. And, and I'm at a point where I'm, I'm looking to be able to say, well, actually, how do I carve out some new habits into that area is I guess one of the things that I, that I do do that, that talks towards this piece is I, is I save space in my life for five, six, seven passion projects a year. Mm-hmm. Um, when it, when it comes to using my expertise and skill set and what I often get paid to be able to do, but using it for, for projects that really matter to me. Um, and whether that's, you know, driving some work back into youth entrepreneurship and talking about alternatives away from traditional education, uh, whether it is um, looking to be able to uh, help give back time and support towards my friends' businesses and, 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 and help them with my expertise that way around. Those are the things that, that I look to better carve out for me. Um, and then, you know, straight up self-care. I, I think this, this new set of decisions that I'm taking towards my physicality and my health and, and my diet and, and those things are a very tangible ways of me saying, well, actually, if I'm not, fit, healthy, able, strong, both mentally and physically to, to be able to enjoy the time of my loved ones. Then back to a point I made in the interview, if you don't know why you're doing it, then why are you doing it? Mm -hmm. Um, then, then I'm a failure or a liar. So, um, is, I I guess the biggest thing that I can be doing for self-care right now is to make sure that I am a product of my product (laughs) is in, in our industry of so-called gurus and experts, et cetera, one of the things that I both fear the most and I hate as often as I see it is incongruence, is the messaging that somebody puts out on the platform or puts out via um, you know, their marketing materials is nothing like the way they live their life. Mm-hmm. And if I ever lose the fact that I'm a product of my product, then I have no right to stand up and ask somebody to live the way that I don't. Thank you. Thanks for sharing this. This is the point is getting behind the scenes and uh, really, really grateful uh, for having the second time with you here and for sharing what you do so that people can see uh, your daily making the striving efforts to be who you want to be. And I, I love that the congruence and to be a product of your product. How much, how many of us know, uh, know things, but we don't follow them mm-hmm. so much. So uh, thanks Phil again for being with us. It's been a gift. Huge pleasure. Thanks again. Well, there you go, friends. I'm sure you got some inspiration and ideas to adopt for your own habits, which is the point of these shows. Again, you can look for Phil's books at Amazon or wherever you get your books or just type in uh, Phil Jones exactly and you'll find the best of what he has to offer. Coming up next in show 726, we talk about taking responsibility for our relationships and how much. 
As we continue to breach the hard questions, this one's a doozy that massively affects our relationships. In this episode, we hear a six-minute message from Zig Ziglar where he shares a story and from it poses the question, why don't we treat everyone like they are a VIP in our lives? He cites the impact that our personal perspective of each other holds in our relationships. Well, from the message that you'll hear, I asked the Ziglar audience this question, how much responsibility do you feel you should take for the relationships in your life from spouse to parent to coworkers and beyond. And boom, the responses came in right away. The majority were either a hundred percent or 50%, but differentiations were made even between relationships regarding, you know, work or parenting and positions of authority. I'll preface the show by saying this is not a black and white issue. We don't come out and say, so this is the answer. But knowing what our belief is, it will greatly influence, again, the health of our relationships. It's just a foundational topic we would all be best served to make a decision upon and be aware of. Well, till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.